What is up, bosses? Let me tell you about our brand new sponsor. I'm talking about Amazon Pharmacy. That's right, that Amazon. The same Amazon where you get basically everything else sent to your door now has your medications. It saves you time, saves you money. It's easy. You can even use your own insurance. And Amazon Pharmacy is going to work directly with your doctor to get your medications delivered right to your door door. I'm going to tell you all about Amazon Pharmacy during the break, but if you want to check out more now, all you got to do is go to amazon.com slash like a boss and get this prime members. You can even save on prescription medication when you're not even using any insurance. Medications start as low as $1 a month. Plus you'll still get the free two day prime delivery. So head over to amazon.com slash like a boss. One more time, amazon.com slash like a boss. Now let's get this episode started. Welcome to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Sam Marks. And I'm Johnny FD. We're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash. Hey bosses, this is Johnny and welcome to episode 188 of the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I am in Kharkiv, Ukraine, and Sam is back in Barcelona. Hola, amigo. Hola, amigo. It's my extent of my uh, Espanol so far. <laughs> <laughs> I think your Russian's coming along quicker than my, my Spanish. Yeah, I've been here for, for a bit longer. Uh, by the way, did you know that 188 is a very lucky number in Chinese? I didn't know that, but I was just about to say like 188's got a good good ring to it. And on this episode, we're talking about some pretty cool new stuff. So uh, it kind of makes sense. But um, yeah. you know, how, how did it become, how did it become uh, lucky in Chinese? So in Chinese, it's yi ba ba, which um, mm-hmm. sounds like yi fa fa, which is basically like, uh, it's, it basically has a ring to it. Like there's going to be a lot of fortune, like, like, like money and fortune. And, you know, Chinese people love money. So it's one of the luckiest numbers. Well, as long as there's not a... Uh, too much global warming and Barcelona doesn't flood and Ukraine stays independent. Uh, we might be, we might be fortunate with these new investments. Yeah. And actually the, I think these are both investments that when we started the show about five years ago, I, I, I mean, I know for sure I, there was zero chance that if you asked me then even three years ago, if I would buy a physical apartment, yet alone two in Ukraine, I would have said zero chance. Uh, what about, your, your thoughts on Barcelona. If I had asked you four or five years ago, do you think it was, it was like in the back of your mind or was it not even uh, Johnny, on that I, spectrum? I think it was even just like, I think it was nearer in the future that we were both saying we wouldn't do it. Like it was almost like pre COVID. I feel like it was when we were both still like full nomads, but I, I just hit a, a breaking point around that time where I'm just like, I feel the need to get some, some roots set down. Um, but certainly when we started this going back five, six years ago, no, I wasn't, had no intentions of living back in Europe. Um, no intentions of investing in a, a kind of a primary residence. So it's all pretty much new stuff. And it's definitely recent for you, right? Yeah, definitely. So this episode, we're going to cover a lot. We're going to talk about the kind of mindset on why we decided to buy. Uh, we're going to talk about why we chose these locations, um, why we you know, decided to buy these these old units to renovate instead of just buying a new condo somewhere. And we're going to talk about, you know, kind of... Uh, the ROI possibilities of renting it out. 
and any kind of problems and issues that we've had. And I think that's going to be the uh, last half of the episode, just you know, uh, talking about all the problems right. that do come up. But let's first kind of get into um, kind of the big benefits. Uh, you, you touched on it, the breaking point of COVID. That, that was a big, big reason for me as well. And I think a lot of Americans ended up buying their first homes or their first kind of homes outside of the, the, uh, the city for the, you know, um, because of what was going on. Yeah, it was really interesting, right? Because we all thought real estate prices around the world were going to take a nosedive. But when it ended up happening, coupled with the, all the money printing and easy lending, is that people realized that they don't want to be stuck at a place anymore. And that, that's exactly what I was. I was in the US, basically in my parents' basement. And immediately I was thinking, I want to, I want my own primary residence. So I think it's pushing a lot of people to buy their first house, but it's also pushing a lot of people to invest in a plan B. So that might be a house outside more of the countryside, or it might be a place in another country. Um, and it's, you know, so I think it's fueling it for a lot of people. Yeah. And you know, the funny thing is there was, you know, just a few years ago, there was a lot of news saying millennials are the renting generation we don't want to own. And that was very true. We didn't want to own cars. We didn't want to own houses. And, it just ended up taking us longer, I think, than the previous uh-huh. generations. But now, I mean, there's a shortage of both new and used cars and everybody wants one. And also, you know, housing prices pretty much around the world, but especially in the US have just skyrocketed this last year. Yep, I agree totally. I think um, one thing that COVID showed us was that life is uncertain and things can happen at any moment on a global scale or in your individual life. And I think people want a little bit more certainty and a little bit more grounding. So people are getting their life set up so that they can weather different storms. Yeah. And actually a few years ago when I was, I think I had just saved up enough or I was like, you know, what? I can buy a place now. You know, is this something I want to do? Do I want to fulfill the American dream? Do I want to fulfill my parents' dream of me owning a home? And I started calculating to see what kind of the, the ROI was on owning a place versus renting. And it ended up being like really, really surprising that financially it was never really that big of a benefit compared to just investing that money in mm-hmm. really anything else. You know, even if you just put it into an index fund, people always talk about how, you know, the price of their house doubled, but if they factor in all the closing costs, the property taxes, the interest rate, you know, that they've paid it, if it doubled in 10 years, it meant, you know, you were just basically making about the same as you would have um, in the you know, S&P 500 or something. Yeah. So really it wasn't that much, you know, a better investment. Uh, but then what I realized is there's a lot of other kind of non-financial benefits of, of owning a home. Uh, for you, you bought in both South Carolina and now Barcelona. What were some of those kind of non-monetary benefits that you've experienced? Well, I wanted to replicate the experience that I had in, in Thailand, in Chiang Mai, uh, in other places in the world. I love spending time in Asia, but it was becoming increasingly distant from most of my friends and, uh, and my parents in the USA. So I wanted to replicate that, that experience somewhere else in the world. And that's, that was the decision to buy in Barcelona. Uh, you know, when I get off the plane in Chiang Mai, I feel like I have a home, of course, have a closet, but I know people in my building, it's, it just feels like I belong there in a sense. But the, the decision to buy in Barcelona was pre-COVID, um, and we can talk a little bit 
more about the reasons why later on in the episode, but the primary driver there was just to get residency. I didn't want to have to go to Europe and feel like I'm on a clock. I need to get in and get out. Um, and by buying a place, you can, you can apply for the golden visa, which allows you to stay in anywhere in Europe, um, or in the EU rather, uh, 365 days a year. So that was the decision for that. And then, um, with COVID, I would end up being stuck in the US and there was no telling how long COVID was going to last and when you were going to really be able to, to move about very much. Uh, and I was just out of place there. I was in, I was basically in my parents' basement. And as, as we all found out, it became rather hard quickly to rent places because everyone was renting Airbnbs for like the months to get out of their primary residence. And so I couldn't even rent places very easily um, except for just a couple of days here and there. Uh, so that was the decision just to, just to buy in the States, um, but really just to have home bases. So I don't, I don't feel like I'm a traveler anymore. And that's been the intangible uh, benefits for me. Yeah. All those make a lot of sense. And actually the residency is the big reason why I bought my first unit here in, in Ukraine. I wanted to be able to stay for more than three months a year. I didn't want to deal with the kind of gray zone, um, you know, long stay like permits that, that people kind of juggle through every year. I'm just tired of doing visa runs. You know, it's been 10 years of me kind of bouncing uh, every three months from border to border. And it was a blessing before where it forced me to travel and see new places. But, you know, I've suffered, um, you know, I guess physically, uh, you know, relationship wise and, you know, in, in many other ways by being forced to move every three months instead of just being able to stay somewhere. So it was, it was really easy, especially after being, you know, I don't want to say stuck in Sri Lanka for a year because there was, you know, I, I really did enjoy my time there as well. And I'm very you know, grateful for the country and the beauty of it, but I did feel stuck there and I, and I wanted to come to Ukraine, but I knew first it was really hard as a non-resident to come in during COVID. And then second, if I did come, I would only be able to, you know, be able to stay for three months and then what, and then where would I go? So when I found out that you can invest just a hundred thousand dollars into you know property here in Ukraine, it was kind of a, a no brainer. It was like a, a double double whammy where it was. It seemed like it might be a, a decent investment. Uh, it solved the housing problem because in Ukraine it's really hard to find decent apartments, especially month to month. And then third, having this residency and allowing me to stay long term, it was kind of just there's so many other benefits besides just the rental yields. Yeah. And I think one thing I realized by coming to visit you guys on uh, Ukraine is that it's, it's not the EU, but getting a permanent visa there, a permanent residency in the Ukraine, coupled with the fact that you have a US passport, it's almost like having a golden visa in the EU because you just live in Ukraine, but then you can spend 180 days in the EU. So pretty much if you're living in the Ukraine, you just want to travel around the EU whenever you want. You have more than enough uh, time and, and the EU's your neighbor basically. So, um, so it works, I think for your in intense purposes, it works out really, really well. And it's almost like, it's, it's almost like a cheap way to get a golden visa, um, in the EU, just, you're kind of just a borderline over. Yeah. You're actually really right about that. If it wasn't for, you know, the current, you know, travel restrictions with, with COVID, it would be super easy for me to go to Italy for a week or something, you know, hang out, eat some food, just sightsee, and then just come back and, you know, chill here, work here for a bit and say, okay, like next month, you know, where else do I want to go? Because there's cheap, easy, direct flights from Ukraine to all of Europe and also the places like Turkey, 
you know, so within a few hours and, you know, a hundred bucks, I can pretty much get everywhere, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a, you found a kind of a backdoor way into it and it happens to be where you want to live anyway. So I think it's a, it's definitely a win-win on that front. Yeah. And actually what you hit the nail on the head when you said, this is kind of the, I don't want to call it the poor man's EU residency, but it kind of is because uh, your place in Barcelona and my place in Kiev are very similar in many ways. Uh, but yours is kind of the, you know, the the European standard, while mine's kind of the Ukrainian standard. We, you know, both both with pros and cons, but definitely in every in every sense of the fashion, mine was just a cheaper version of what you have. Yeah. Well, and for any of the listeners out there, golden visas you can get them in different countries, but they they kind of start around three hundred thousand euros. I think the cheapest one right now is in Greece. You used to be able to do it in Bulgaria for like two fifty, but then you think, okay. Bulgaria or the Ukraine, Ukraine's a hundred thousand. And personally, I, I mean, Bulgaria is pretty nice, but I'd rather live in the Ukraine if I had the choice. Um, so at a hundred thousand, it's within range of, of a lot of people considering you get an apartment with that. So, yeah. And what's really cool is you can use that money for whatever you want. There's no, you know, BS about, you can only invest in certain areas or you can only invest in, you know, certain pre-government, you know, government-approved properties. You know, they have a lot of these schemes in the Caribbeans where you can, you know, you can buy something for whatever it is, 300,000 or 500,000, but it has to be government-approved. And you know, all those are just overpriced because it's not dictated by the the local market. Here, I'm I'm bidding against, you know, Ukrainians, you know, spending in Grivna. So I'm getting, you know, the same deal as them. I can, you know, have the 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 basically the choice of whatever I would invest in anyways, even if I was just buying uh, personally with cash, it just happens to be going through this investment scheme where I can also get a residency permit for it. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like both of us, one of the primary drivers was to get the, was to get the residency and, and have access to kind of to the, the broader EU is you want to give a quick update just on where you are with that residency process. Yeah, so the permanent residency process takes about a year, uh, maybe a little bit more. But what's really nice is in the last, I guess, about three and a half months since I've started this process, I've already gotten temporary residence. So I actually have a card that uh, looks almost exactly the same. It it just says temporary on it, um, but it's good for three years. So you know, as of you know a few weeks ago, I'm able to stay in Ukraine for as long as I wish for the next three years. Like if I didn't want to leave the border at all, I can just stay here for the next three years. No problems. That's amazing. Well, that seems like a much quicker process than here in Spain where I'm two years into applying for a golden visa. I'd also applied for before this, uh, before I bought the place, I applied for what's called a non-lucrative visa, which is similar to a golden visa, except you just need to be able to show that you, you have uh, wealth and that you're not working in the country, but the, the application process is ridiculous. It's uh, very bureaucratic, um, just tons of paperwork. It's, you have to actually go um, to Madrid or to Miami to apply in person. And um, so mine's still, still in the works. I've actually just reapplied for the third time. And if it's approved, I have to fly to Miami. I'm in Barcelona now. I have to fly to Miami to pick it up in person um, and then return. So uh, that has been, I will say, you know, the biggest frustration uh, that I have with this entire process of the renovation, everything has been the, has been the visa 
process. Um, and it also goes to show you that like, just because you buy the place doesn't mean you're guaranteed the visa as my attorney, every attorney I asked basically said, yeah, hundred percent because why? Cause they want to do the service for you. Um, but when it comes down to it, you're not guaranteed the visa just cause you buy the place. So just go into it knowing that, um, so fingers crossed, uh, fourth time's a charm. Yeah. I, I really hope it works out for you. What, what were the kind of the total costs for going through this process of getting first that temporary, um, non-nuclear visa and then applying for the permanent one? I think both times the, the, the application fee was, uh, three, well, the, the legal process and the legal services, including the application fees around 3000 euros and the non-lucrative and the golden visa, they're more or less the same. You, you wouldn't have both of them. It was just before I wanted to do the golden visa, which you needed to buy the, the actual unit. That's more than 500,000 euros. There's another visa that I, I was like, okay, I can just apply for this one instead. I'll just get the non-lucrative one. I don't have to buy a place, but, um, but that, that process was actually even more complicated than the golden visa one. So I just decided to buy the place and do the, uh, try to go the golden visa route. Um, so yeah, 3000 euros for the legal management fee of, uh, and the application fee. Yeah. Actually kind of similar to, to, um, to what I have here. It, I think in total it was about $4,000, um, but that included the, um, both permits and also a bunch of kind of other random things. Uh, the nice thing is you can technically do it here without a lawyer. Uh, my friend, uh, again, who's married to a Ukrainian girl, they went through the whole process without any kind of legal help. Um, and he's gotten his temporary residency already, uh, like pretty much a week after I did. And they are applying for permanent residency, but he, he's doing it through through marriage. Um, but it's, it's kind of the same process. So it's nice to know that it is technically possible, but it is a lot of paperwork. And if you don't have a Ukrainian wife or translator, you know, good luck. Because I went through, you know, I was actually going to cheap out and not pay my lawyer to do the the temporary residency because I, I looked at the process and I was like, oh, this looks pretty easy. And the fees would have been, you know, 50 bucks uh, versus paying her 600 to, to do it for me. But I'm glad I, I just paid her because... It ended up being way more complicated than, um, yeah. you know, th- than I assumed. And now, you know, I have to, you know, like, and basically they, they walk you through the whole thing. They, they hold your hand. <laughs> they, you know, they say, sign here, come here at this time. And it was just kind of easier to do. Um, I, you know, it was kind of a waste of $550, but at the end of the day, having this card and being able to stay, that's, w- w- you know, worth well more than $600. Oh, yeah. It's money. And you, Johnny, you have to upload a photo of your residency card to the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll blur out most of it, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll show yeah. you guys. And yeah, it's it's great. Like, you know, it's fun, like it's it's funny because I've been so proud of it. I've been showing like my Ukrainian friends and I'm basically like saying like, this is like a green card, you know, like this is like getting a green card to the U.S. And they all laugh because even though technically it's kind of the same thing, <laughs> like in their mind, it's, it's very, very different. <laughs> Yeah. But actually one caveat uh, is my lawyer told me that, especially in Ukraine, you know, but what you had said earlier is because, you know, you can apply for it, but it doesn't mean you're going to get it. All right. And she said that, you know, like, for example, uh, after I had applied, uh, they warned me saying, hey, in the next two weeks, someone might come knock on your door to make sure you're actually living here. And you're not just, you, you know, you're not just, uh, you know, like smoke and mirrors. And I said, 
hey, I wish you would have told me earlier because I had this trip planned to Kharkiv to and Odessa. And the, the, the main lawyer called me and she said, Johnny, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, you're an American, you know, you're American with a U.S. passport and you bought this, you know, nice um, property in the center. They're, they're, like, they're not going to come knock on your door. Like, they're just going to, they're, they're just going to improve you, um, most likely. You know, if you are from Turkey or somewhere in Africa or, you know, some of the Middle East and you're using some address that like, you know, 20 other people have used, you know, um, you know, all other like Indian students or something, they would... They, you know, they might have knocking your door. They might just like drive by and say they did knock on your door and just find a reason not to approve you. So we are very, very fortunate that, you know, having a U.S. passport actually gets you really, really far here uh, without any issues. <laughs> without any headaches. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's good to know. This week's sponsor of Invest Like a Boss happens to be brand new to the show. So I want to welcome Amazon Pharmacy. That's right, that Amazon, the same one where you get like everything sent to your door, at least I do. So it only makes sense that they moved on to medications now. It's brand new. It saves you time, saves you money. Super easy. You can even use your own insurance. So think about the last time you got a prescription. I know when I went, I was behind like eight, maybe even 10 people and two of them wrote a check. It drove me crazy. Well, you don't have to deal with any of that with Amazon Pharmacy. You can get 30-day supplies, 90-day supplies, or if you're a Prime member, you can even get up to six months worth of your prescription medication. They'll have your doctor's office send your next prescription straight to Amazon Pharmacy. So once you do it once, you don't even ever have to worry about it again. And of course, Prime members get extra special benefits like their famous free two-day delivery and even discounts on prescriptions when you're not paying with insurance. They can be as low as $1 a month. So if you want to learn more, all you got to do is head over to amazon.com slash like a boss. That's amazon.com slash like a boss. Get your prescriptions and save even more when you're a prime member at amazon.com slash like a boss. Well, I guess that's a little bit about the visa process and where the, the standings are. Um, only My only fi- final point to, to summarize is if you're applying for these visas, just try to look up and use your own brain on, on potential conflicts uh, that might arise. Mine have mostly been because of, of the uh, misdemeanors that I got in college. They, those keep getting flagged. Um, but you know, they can, they can pretty much deny you for any reason. So you're not, you're not entitled to it just because you think you, you've done everything right. Um, so talk to a lot of people and do your own research before, uh, you make the commitment. Yeah. hundred percent. Don't get your hopes up too much. Just, uh, go through right. the process because <laughs> you, you, you never know what's going to happen. Right. So that's, um, that's about the visa stuff. So now that we've we, we had decided to to purchase in these countries. Um, maybe we should share a little bit about just how we went about finding uh, finding the units and you know what attracted us to to where we purchased and location and, and the type of building. Yeah, so for me, I, I really wanted to live in Kiev. It's the big city, it's the capital city. There's just a lot more to do. And it's a place I've always enjoyed spending summers. You know, the last five years have been coming for three months a year. And it was the one place that I would look forward to again, you know, like, man, three months was like a little bit short, you know, like I can't wait to go back. And I knew I wanted to say, you know, in the city center, 
just is it's just way more you know it's just like the best area not only to rent out but also to to live in as a single you know guy without a family and i did whatever you know anyone does i asked around for a good agent and it was a pain in the butt it was like all the agents are terrible <laughs> all the you know a lot of the the units here are terrible it's it really it's it's a hard place to find a good unit but you know or a good agent but you, know, you kind of just have to grind through it and then um how'd you how'd you focus in on kind of certain areas did you did you already know the city well enough and kind of identify a few blocks that you wanted to look or how did that happen yeah uh so the benefit of me coming every summer is I've stayed in probably 10 different Airbnbs in different neighborhoods. Um, so I just know, you know, I, I was able to, to basically draw on a map, uh, a very, very specific area of where I wanted to stay. Uh, my only other metrics was I wanted it to be around $2,000 per square meter, which was a kind of fair price where I knew I can get a decent return. Um, on, on average, you know, you can find places, as low as fifteen hundred, if it's a little bit out, if it's outside the center, or like a really you know really terrible condition, but then if someone has a nice renovated place, it might be three thousand or more. So that two thousand was kind of the sweet spot for me, um, and I just you know I was I was really really partic- like specific on what I wanted. I wanted high ceilings. I wanted an old building. Um, I wanted you know I I didn't want it on the on the ground floor, but I also didn't want it on the top floor because here in Ukraine the the person on the top floor needs to deal with the roof, um, and I just had like a very specific list. So I thought I was making it very easy for my agents, but I think the agents here really just you know from their point of view, uh, you know there's a lot of time wasters, uh, but at the same time you know if someone comes in and they're serious, you know I wish that they would just you know be more on top of things. The agents being more top of things, like in terms of soliciting offers and trying to transact and everything. Yeah, it's like it's a weird market here. I mean, like if you look on the, their version of um, Zillow, you know, it's kind of like OLX. Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy. People will list a house, you know, like a hundred thousand dollar, two hundred thousand dollar place, and they'll put like four blurry photos, you know, and like and no description. And I'm like, if you're going to sell a $100,000 car, like you would, you know, you would hire a professional photographer, like you would stage it, you would do something, you know, like I, it's really, really strange how, you know, uh, people just get away with things like that here. It's it's a really old, old mentality. It's like the US was, you know, 40 years ago. (laughs) Let's leave a link to that website in the show note with some like reference. Because there's, there's actually, you mentioned like the Zillow of the Ukraine and they have one here in Spain too. It's called Idealista. Mm-hmm. And first time I saw the site, I was like, this has to be a joke. It looks like, you know, it looks like it was built in 1995. It was like one of the first websites on the web and like, it's never been updated, but they have they just have all the inventory, you know, everything that's for sale. The thing with Barcelona is there are so many good areas that are like very similar. So it's really hard to narrow in. Like if, you, if you've only spent like a month here, at least in my, my opinion, my experience it was very difficult to narrow in on an, an area. Cause it's like all one big downtown of like, you know, 50 cross streets, 50 by like, uh, you know, 50 by 50 type of, type mm-hmm. of block. Right. Um, so I kind of had an idea of, of where I wanted to be, but actually throughout, through the process of looking for a place where I wanted to be shifted quite dramatically, kind of from the more tourist area to the more quiet residential area. 
Mm-hmm. But I did like you. I, I drew it on a map. Um, on Idealista, you can actually you can actually draw like the the area that you want to be in, similar to Zillow. And I I knew I wanted to, I needed to be above five hundred thousand euros, and I wanted to be a, below a million dollars, which is kind of like at the time it was like nine hundred thousand. But you have to pay a ten percent tax when you buy the place. So really, I needed to be around. I needed to be from five hundred thousand euros to. 800,000 euros. Cause if I bought an $800,000 place, it would end up being, I'm sorry, 800,000 euro place. It would end up being 880,000 euros, which would be more than a million. Um, but what I really wanted was I kind of wanted that, that classic Barcelona style apartment. So the classic balconies, uh, with the shutters and on a pretty street with, um, you know, with the trees kind of in the, in the balcony. And that was pretty much my only, idea. That was kind of my price range and my, what I was looking for. I looked at a lot of places that were fully reformed and fully updated. And I looked at a couple of places that were, um, you know, that hadn't been updated for a hundred years since it was built. And the place I ended up buying was exactly that. I walked in it. It had not been touched for a hundred years. The lady that, uh, that, that owned it, she was born in it. So she was born in 1918 and she lived to be a hundred years old. She lived to, to 2019. She died in it. She was, she was the only, basically the only person that was ever in it. And um, after she passed away, then her, her family listed it and I bought the place in, in 2020. But when I came in, it was pretty cool. Cause like it just nothing in it had ever been updated for, for the hundred years. And, um, and that was it made an offer um, that they said was too low, but I said, just, you know, go with it. And, um, and they ended up accepting it. Nice. So what was the asking um, price and, and what did you get it for? Um, I think the asking price was 660, somewhere in the, somewhere around 660. And then I got it for 620. Okay. And it's in euros. Euros. Dollars. And okay. this was at, at a, this was at a time when places in Barcelona were going at asking price and often over asking price. Uh, but the places that were going over asking price were the, the fully reformed ones. And what was happening was people that were that were just trying to park money in Barcelona real estate, they were buying places sight unseen. And I ended up getting outbidded uh, quite a few times by people in the UK or in Russia on, on fully reformed nice places. And they were, I would submit a bid and they're like, yeah, okay, the owners accepted the bid. Um, but I guess in Spain, they have like 24 hours to accept higher offers. So the realtors would just take my bid, go to their network of people they knew that were buying, say, Hey, this one's going to close in 24 hours. Like, do you want to do an outbid them? And in a few cases that happened. So mm. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And, and it's crazy in the U S you know, you know, places are going for 20% over, um, over asking as well. So the fact that, you know, you got a discount, yeah, that's amazing. I, but I can see why. I mean, I think you'd have to be first boots on the ground. You have to see see the place, you know, see the area and see the potential to be able to drop that much money in something that would cost a lot of time and money to renovate. Right. Um, it was kind of the same with my place. I, I looked at a ton of properties um, and rejected even more just on paper. Just I knew, you know, I don't want to waste their time. I knew it wasn't something I wanted. And I think the only reason why I was finally able to find a good unit in a great location is I upped my, my budget. Originally I wanted something around, you know, just around a hundred thousand dollars. And actually what's nice about 
the investment scheme here is I don't even have to spend the whole 100000 I could have bought a place for 70000 and just mm-hmm. use that other thirty grand as business expenses or to renovate. So I actually, you know, my original um, kind of budget was between 70 to 100, 100K. And there just was either nothing good or, um, you know, it just would fall through. Like the first place... I liked it. It was a great location, but it would take a ton of renovation. And when I made my offer, the guy accepted, but he he said, okay, I want a briefcase full of cash of US dollars. <laughs> and I was like, no, I can't do that. Like, I mean, first I don't want to do it. And the second I, I do like legally cannot do it. If I want to uh, get permanent residency, I need to prove uh, the sale. And he just would not budge. He said like suitcase of cash or nothing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. The, the second place I found, you know, also great deals, 95K, it was renovated, uh, also decent location. Um, and it, it kind of started to go through, you know, the process. Luckily, I hired a good lawyer and she found out that there was a, uh, a lien on it from a bank, in, a now defunct bank in Crimea. And the <laughs> owner assumed that this bank would never be able to collect the money. So he paid some shady notary to sign off the papers to make it look like it was clean. But she, after some digging, she, you know, she realized the, the issue and she said, Johnny, don't buy this place. So yeah, that's when I started getting frustrated and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm not gonna be able to find something. Um, and my agent was like, Hey, you know, what if we take a look at this place? You know, it's on like the super high end of your budget. In my mind, I, I was going to cap it at 150 grand uh, after renovations. And she says, this place is 145 and it's not renovated, but it's in a really good location. Do you want to look? And I almost said, no, I think I even said, no, I don't want to look at it. And she said like, Johnny, like, let's just take a look. So thank you, Masha, for kind of forcing me to go. Uh, I, I walked over and I saw, you know, the location, uh, actually, you, you, you've been there. What were your thoughts on it? At your place in Kiev? Yeah. It's hard for me to, to, to like, because I only spent a couple of days in the city to still understand the layout of the city. But uh, the place that you got, I mean, my my overall impression was that I think you got a great deal. I think that, the, like, the bones, the structure of the place were really cool. Um I mean, it was just all about like value when I was in there. I was like, this is a great value. The actual <laughs> area of where you're at, I, I don't know enough about. I think we went to like a cafe or something outside. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I was thinking, and then again, I haven't seen that many places like in Kiev, right? But I thought your place, I was just like, I don't, I don't see how you're going to lose on this. So yeah. And, you know, I, the, the other places, uh, so after you left, we took a look at some, we did like a real estate tour to look around and it just, it's, they, these places exist. They're just hard to find. I think we talked about this in a previous episode, but anyone who, you know, who owns these places, they kind of just park their money there because they have nowhere else to invest. There's no stock market in Ukraine. Um, that's functional. Uh, there people, you know, don't trust the banks. So they just kind of park it there. You know, there, there's almost no property tax. The holding, the, the holding costs are, you know, nothing per year, like a few hundred bucks. So people kind of just leave it. So there's a lot of good units that just kind of uh, go on, you know, un, unlisted. Um, you know, my place, it's right on Bassania, which is the, the main kind of hub that connects three or four different districts that are all good districts, you know, from like I'm a, I'm basically at the edge of Kushotic, which is the big tour street. 
but then I'm connecting to um, Chateau Ristorelli, which is kind of the where the nice restaurants are. I mean, there's a Chanel store like right across the street from me and uh, La Sippo, which is like the Whole Foods of, of Ukraine. So just good area. But um, in general, I chose this building mostly for the area and I kind of regretted buying such a big place. So it's funny that your place is actually almost double my size. So I don't know how you, how you manage that, but uh, I wanted like a one or two bedroom, you know, place maximum, um, you know, maybe like 50 square meters. This one ended up being almost 80. Um, so three kind of big rooms plus a, uh, a kitchen. Um, and, but your place is what? 150 square meters. Yeah. That's giant. Yeah. It's uh Sometimes I want a bigger place, you know. <laughs> but a lot of times I, I want a smaller place because I'm I'm here by myself. So it's a lot like it's a lot of empty space, and um, it's also like well, we'll see when my air conditioning's actually working. That's one of the issues. But I have the air conditioner that it will like it can air condition any room by itself. So you don't have to just turn on like central AC and it hits the whole house. You can do it room by room. But the ceilings are, I got high ceilings. I don't know what they are. They're probably, they're probably 14 feet high. Mm-hmm. And it takes a really long time. Like even when the AC was working, it takes a really long time to like AC to cool off these rooms. Um, but I don't know. I, I feel like it's something that I'll grow into. Um, like the place will grow into. There's not like, there's not a lot of storage. There's a lot of floor space, but there's not a lot of storage. And, um, I figure, you know, if my parents come over for a couple of weeks or whatever, there's plenty of room for them or someone moves in with me at some point, a little bit more space won't hurt. But like, I don't think that your place, when I walk through your place, especially once it's done renovating, I don't feel like my place is going to feel that much bigger than your place. Yeah. What do you think that is? I don't know. I think it's just like maybe the layout. I think you got, you had a pretty smart layout, which actually like it winds you around the main room. Um, so in, in a way, I think it makes it feel like bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, mine is very linear. So mine's, mine's very long. Um, it's probably, it's probably 40 meters long in like long in one direction, you know, mm-hmm. um, like it, to the point that I'm like, when I have to go from my bedroom to the family room or family room to the bedroom, I'm like uh, to grab like socks or something. I'm like, oh man. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing that you can get actually, I, I don't know if you've seen these, but um, I have all wood and tile floor mm-hmm. but i just picked up that the irobot the vacuum mm. cleaner yep. dude it is the coolest thing ever and it makes like it makes living in a in a larger place so much better because this thing just goes on a schedule twice a week and it cleans the sh- like just does an amazing job cleaning yeah uh, yeah that definitely sounds fun so your place i've seen photos looks incredible like i'm, I'm really looking forward to to check out in person uh how many bedrooms how many bathrooms is it so it's a three bedroom four bath and as i already said 150 square meters it's got um it's got balconies on both sides so it's got one side is a street and one side is kind of where all the back of the apartments group into it's it's like not really a courtyard but it's sort of a big open area um and that is, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Three, four. So, so it's, it's three bedrooms plus a living room plus a kitchen or how does it, what's the layout? Yeah. So you got a, there's kind of a great room, which is the main, um, the living room and the dining room it used to be, have a wall, uh, dividing them, but we took that mm-hmm. wall down. So it's just one big room. The mm-hmm. kitchen's connected to it. So it's an open kitchen that connects to living room, dining room. Mm-hmm. Um, next to that is, uh, is the fourth bathroom. It's kind of the, the, 
the guest common area bathroom and mm -hmm. also a separate room for the washer dryer. Mm -hmm. And that's on all on one side of the house. So figure that's left side of the house on the mm -hmm. street side, Barcelona. And then you walk down a long hallway and off that long hallway is uh, three bedrooms. There's actually also a, a, like an office room. So it's almost, I don't know if you'd call it like uh, three, four plus a den, but there's, mm -hmm. there's an office that's off of the main, uh, off of one of the, the bedrooms. So it's sort of like a master suite. Nice. Okay. And, and are all those uh, bathrooms like full baths with showers? Three of them are. And the, the other one is just a half bath. Okay. So no, nice. no shower. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that's amazing. Uh, it sounds like a great layout for, you know, friends or, or family because everyone actually has a bathroom. The, the biggest kind of issue with uh, places in Ukraine is you almost never have more than one bathroom. It's just very uncommon. <laughs> um, so my place, even though it's, it's two bedrooms plus kind of the, that same kind of great room. It only has one bath. The nice thing is that it's divided. Uh, so you have a separate room that's just a toilet. And then the other room is a, is a shower, which means someone can be showering or getting ready and the other person can go to the bathroom. And we're going to add a, uh, a toilet and a, and a small sink in there. So it'll kind of act like one and a half bathrooms, even though technically it's just one. I picked up on that when I was there. The Airbnb that you're we running had the the separated out, and I didn't I didn't know if that was standard or not standard, but I, I can see the reasoning behind that. Yeah, it's a really easy hack to to make it have the function of having two bathrooms, even though you know mm -hmm. you, you save the, the the cost and the space. Um, but yeah, so overall, I'm happy. But my my renovation is going to take a few more months uh, to complete. Uh, how long did it take yours in total? Yeah, and Johnny, when you come over to my place, I got four toilets, so you can choose a new one each day. Try oh, it nice. Out. Okay. <laughs> or we can have uh, some uh, tapas and, and use all four in one day. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. So the, the our renovation, uh, it took, uh, I think, from, from the time that they actually broke ground, per se, it was like seven months. But getting all the permits and, and all the planning and all that stuff together was- Wow. Okay. It was like 13 13. And luckily, like it happened all, all through COVID, I was in the States and it was a tremendously well-organized process given that everything else in Spain has been sort of a letdown and like unorganized and, you know, slow and <laughs> frustrating. This, this process was amazing. And like, I, I really, I layered it up because I knew I was going to be gone and I'd never done a renovation before. I've never worked with an architect before. I've never worked with a designer, none of this, right? And I'm like, I'm going to be gone. I'm in Spain. This is going to be so easy for me to get ripped off. So, so I'm like, instead of just finding an architect, I want to find, like, I found a property or, or a management company that manages the architect. And then I got an attorney to manage the project management company, like, and make sure like all the paperwork and the billing and all that stuff, but really just to have eyeballs. And so that the management company knew there was legal eyeballs on them. Um, but I have to say like the whole thing, I don't think needed either of those two pieces simply because it ended up being like a fantastic architect, uh, architect slash contractor. Uh, but I'm still glad that I put those other pieces in play. Cause I think more times than not, like you're not going to get that lucky. And yeah, uh, but that, that's very smart. Some, very, some very, yeah. Very, very prudent of you. Mm -hmm. Uh, how, how much did you have to pay each of those pieces? So the, the legal kind of oversight was, again, somewhere in the range of like 2,500 to 3,000 euros. So they went over all the paperwork. They talked to the architect, talked to the property management company, reviewed a couple of the invoices. Um, 
the the management company actually didn't pay them anything. My my guess is that they take somewhere between a five and ten percent commission of the whole project. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, what happens is they when you you give them their project and then they go out to different contractors and architects renovators in Barcelona and submit uh, solicit bids. And then once you choose a bid in that bid, the management company's taking their fee. Okay. So there's no additional cost coming out of it, but I probably paid like a five or 10% premium to have them involved. Okay. And the total cost of the renovation? Total cost of the renovation, the quote came in at 127,000 euros. Um, they quoted it with the tax included, mm-hmm. but once we agreed and went down to signing the contracts, they had made an error and it said uh, they had forgot to put the tax in. So it was going to be another 10%. Mm. So that was like a kind of a bad starting point because we just agreed to, to split it, split mm-hmm. the difference. They took a little on, we paid a little extra more. So let's mm-hmm. just say it was like 130 on signing and mm-hmm. it ended up being about 150. Okay. Um, the 150 though, it wasn't that they went over budget on, on any detail. It was that I agreed to doing more throughout the, the process. Like I wanted to put in uh, fixtures in different places and build a day bed and build out like a, an office, um, like a custom office and bookshelves mm-hmm. and stuff in different places. So, uh, and also upgraded all of like the kitchen appliances to a nicer level. So it wasn't that they, they went over budget at all. It was just that I decided to do more during it. So 150,000 euros, that's about one, uh, about 180,000 us. Nice. You know, and after that, that's a good point is through the process, there's going to be either overages or, you know, um, owner changes. So, you know, mm-hmm. you're very, very lucky that they were on, you know, on budget. That's amazing. Uh, with mine, I'm, ho- I'm hoping they're also be on budget, but already there's like little things where as we're going through the process, I'm, you know, messaging my, my designer saying, Hey, how about we use, you know, this nicer furniture instead, or, Hey, how about we add this like bum gun to the next to the toilet so we have like um that's what you know, the, the thailand style thing yeah the last how much was edition. yeah yeah how much was yours by oh. the way because they're they're surprisingly expensive here yeah you know i, I think they're like 100 euros each mm-hmm. and but the funny thing is is like everything at my place except for the a- ac is broke and mm-hmm. the bum guns are broke <laughs> so the, both of the the bum guns that we put in they they're uh they're they're broke oh, and no. they leak so I, I went away for like four or five days and I came back and my floors were flooded. My oh, bathrooms no. were completely flooded. Oh. So now I have the bum gun. They're still broken. I have them mm. in the toilets, like actually all the oh, way God. hose in the toilet. And then the lid shut on top of them so that they just leak into the toilet. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah. So it might be worth buying the slightly the good ones. nicer ones. Yeah. 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 Cause basically, I mean, I, so what I really like about my designer is uh, I, I guess to kind of, uh, preface this. So I also hired a project manager. You know, um, I don't speak Ukrainian. I don't. My Russian's not very good. I don't know the market here. So I knew, and I knew I wasn't going to be in town uh, all the time to kind of watch over things. So I knew I wanted someone to oversee it all. Um, you know, legally I have my lawyer who kind of oversees it, um, the, the legal part, but. You know, she's not going to be there, you know, uh, checking on the construction. Yeah. That's just not her, her forte. Um, my real estate agent, I was hoping she would, you know, manage, you know, find me a, um, a good contractor and, you know, kind of be more helpful there. Because I know in the U.S., a lot of times um, the real estate agents have good connections and, and they'll happily kind of oversee it. 
uh, especially for like an extra fee. But my agent just that's just not her her forte. So she was. Um, I actually even just, I even paid her some money when I was in Turkey to go find someone to do the floors while I was gone, and she just couldn't do it. So uh, I ended up going with this. Uh, she's kind of a designer slash project manager. Um, and it was recommended by my buddy Frank Song, uh, who was a guest on the podcast, who, who's now my buddy. Uh, we, we met for that first day that, um, during that episode. But he used this girl who he said was amazing. She was on time. She was on budget. She was super um, mm-hmm. you know, organized. So I hired her. Um, I paid her about $2,000 to basically manage the whole thing. Uh, and um, if it goes more than, um, I think, three months, I'm going to pay her an extra 400 bucks a month to just to manage. Mm -hmm. Uh, And at first I was kind of like, oh, you know what? I don't know if I need to pay someone, you know, uh, this money I can just do myself, but I'm so glad I did because already she saved me so much headache, so much time. She's, she found a great contractor who's, you know, been working hard and uh, everything seems like it's going well. And she's, um, you know, she basically created me a spreadsheet with every piece of furniture she wanted to order, the price of it, and even a link to that exact item so I can check, see what it looks like, read the reviews, mm-hmm. and, and double check the price. Perfect. It's very similar to, to how my designer did it. So all that was like new process for both of us, right? Like we weren't really sure what to expect in terms of how the, the renovation will be conducted or, the, um, or like the design and like how they're choosing furniture and stuff. And all that stuff was, was new um, when I went through it. Um, did the renovate for like the renovation, are they, are they showing line items of like all the different details and costs? Yes. But you know, it, it's, it's hard, right? Like, yeah, it, it's like, I'm not a, a builder and I just, um, I, I did basically kind of just, I went through it all and I'm like, I guess this looks right. But really I just looked at the, the, the total figure and I'm like, okay, this is what I, this is what I had in mind. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, but also I got a couple of other quotes too. Like I had, uh, two different floor guys come. I had a wall guy, two different wall people come to, to give me quotes. And they were all very similar. So I said, you know what? This seems like it's the price. Mm-hmm. And so at any point, was there, was there the, the, were you always going to buy a place to re- renovate it or were you going to try to buy a primary place that was already done? I think I, I wanted to do a light renovation. My idea was to buy a place that all I needed was just a, a coat of paint. And some new furniture. Yeah. And I, I think in the US, that's a lot easier to find. Yeah, 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 definitely. Here, yeah, here it's not, especially because they use wallpaper. Um, they love wallpaper for whatever reason. And unless you, you just, you know, put up new wallpaper over it, uh, it's going to, everything's going to be a process. So I, I would have liked a fully renovated place, but they just don't exist in Ukraine, um, especially in, in Kiev, especially for any kind of reasonable uh, amount of money. Right. Um, so that was kind of uh, it. I think the only thing I would do differently in the future is instead of getting a place that's already kind of nice and then needing to do a bunch of work, I would have just found a, a complete dive, like a complete piece of crap, and then just did everything from scratch because it wouldn't actually cost that much more. Uh, mm-hmm. And it would just, it would actually be easier and you wouldn't feel bad about, you know, taking something down or, or changing yeah. something. Yeah. A lot of second guessing. I think um, that was when I was starting the process out and trying to figure out like a floor plan, everything. Cause mine was sort of like a, a, 
a blank canvas, right? I mean, outside of the 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 walls, uh, the exterior walls, everything sort of was a blank canvas. And I was stuck for like two months on trying to decide on a floor plan. And at one point I was just like, dude, this was such a mistake to get into like this big of a project remotely. Um, I should have just, I remember saying this like on the podcast, like I should have just bought a fully renovated one that's done. I know where everything is because this thing's going to be an absolute mess. But in, in hindsight, I'm glad I did it. It gave me something to work on and sink my teeth into during, during COVID. And I wouldn't have been able to use my place anyways during COVID um, if I had bought the, the fully renovated one. And it certainly was a big learning experience um, that I think came out pretty good. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure this won't be the, the only place that I renovate or build in my life. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have... Uh, Happy to have the experience. Just got to get this damn AC working. Yeah, sorry about the AC. Uh, so, the about what you said about you know this being a learning experience. I think this was, came in the perfect time in both of our lives, because if anyone is in the process of you know building a business or growing a business, I would absolutely stay stay away from renovating a place or or buying a place for to. to you know, to change up. It's just, it takes so much time and effort that yeah. I can't even add up the amount of hours that I've spent looking at places, looking at floor plans or talking to contractors. But now that, you know, um, time-wise, I have a lot of free time. Um, it's kind of something fun and exciting, you know, even though it's kind of feels, you know, like a waste of time at, at, at points. Uh, I don't have that much, you know, other responsibility, you know, work-wise, um, you know, Sam and I are both, you know, we're not committed to, to anything um, full-time, you know, or even really part-time. So it's mm-hmm. it's been a nice use of our time. And I think this is why as people get older, as they retire, you know, this is kind of like a nice side hustle hobby that can potentially also be profitable, but really is a lifestyle investment. Lifestyle investment. And I think it's, uh, it's pretty rewarding. It's like building anything, building a business or, or trying to invent something or building a, a, a doing carpentry or anything like that. It's pretty rewarding seeing the final thing, uh, especially when you live in it, you know, to renovate and flip it. I think it'd be pretty cool, but to renovate it and live in it and like have that experience of going through the process and knowing what it looks like before, I think is, is really cool. Um, also wanted to ask you, Johnny, have you gotten a, a figure of so far on the furnishing costs? Cause that was something like I had no idea what was going to be involved there to different price ranges of, of what it was going to cost. Yeah. My, my original plan was to do all Ikea, everything. And I even went there and I started kind of listing out how much everything would be. And actually would have been quite cheap. Right. Mm-hmm. And my idea was I'll have a place that looks good in photos and, you know, look is modern and it will be good enough. But the more kind of I, the, the the more the, this process went through um, and the more I talked to the designer, I realized that if I have all Ikea, everything, it'll just look like a cheap Ikea showroom and mm-hmm. it won't rent out for as much as I want it to rent out for. And it just mm-hmm. won't be as nice as, as it could be, you know, especially in this kind of old style um, and building. So she was good enough to basically pick and choose um, from, you know, probably like 15 different stores uh, to kind of match the style and create a look that we wanted. Uh, mm-hmm. I th- I would still like to buy a place <laughs> that is more simple, maybe a smaller, cheaper place and just Ikea it out because I think it's just way easier mm-hmm. and it'll be good enough. But for this particular one, this is kind of like my my, my my baby, you know, where I've decided let's, let's make it good. Um, the 
kind of a funny thing is I, after we went through this process of finding and improving all the furniture, I ended up meeting the owner of one of the biggest furniture, uh, furniture companies in Ukraine. Uh, he's their factories in Turkey. Um, it's called Sandalini. It means, uh, literally means like chair maker and they supply all the kind of the nice high end bars and, and clubs and restaurants. And I sat in a bunch of their chairs um, at restaurants in Odessa where I was uh, when I met the owner. And I realized, man, this stuff is really good. It's like super high quality. It's designed for a thousand people to sit on it and never, never break. And because he liked me and uh, he wanted to do kind of a, like a favor for me and also, you know, probably be a good collaboration for him because I'll, I'll show it on my YouTube channel. But basically, he's going to give me, you know, a huge discount on everything. So we might end up changing everything up nice. and just using all his stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Uh, how much did your designer actually charge you for the work? So she charged me about two thousand um, dollars for the, the the basically every, everything that she's doing, plus four hundred a month uh, on top. You know, after the second month, um, the um, the cost of the furniture is probably going to be about fifteen thousand dollars. So the cost of renovation was fifteen thousand plus fifteen thousand. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm in it for about thirty grand, but I'm going to budget another ten, you know, for for changes or you know, random things that yeah. aren't included. So one thing I thought I was getting a really good deal on, on the furniture, like the design and furniture, should she, she charge, I think she charged 3,500 euros for like the interior design, like furnishing to, to figure out all the furniture, but also she did a lot of like fixtures and all the, you know, all the wall painting, figure out all those details, some bookshelves in different places, like figured out how to build a day bed. So I was like, it's pretty good. But I came to find out, I didn't know this, um, but I, I guess it's just like standard in the industry is that she'll make a commission on all the furniture that she orders. So she'll have, she'll have um, basically referral agreements with all the furniture shops in town and she'll make a 10% commission. Cause I thought it was kind of funny that like she, she came up with all the stuff to order and gave me links to it. And then she's like, I'll send you an invoice. You pay me and then I'll pay all the shops. I'm like, oh, that's cool. It's like, I only pay one thing, but that's just because so they can control the money and then they get, they keep 10%. So my furniture is probably another, I think it, it was like 40,000 euros total. So that's another 4,000 euros that she made. So she's making like 7,500 euros. Not bad. Yeah. They make pretty, pretty good money. Uh, yeah, you're right. It is pretty standard for them to do that. It's, mm-hmm. you know, I guess it's part of the, the industry and maybe that's also another reason why they don't want to use all, all Ikea. Cause I don't think they're going to get a right. commission from them. <laughs> it's a much smaller commission, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's no extra money out of our pocket, right? We would have paid, I would have paid 40,000 for the furniture anyways. So if she makes a commission organize it all, it's fine by me. Yeah, and but the, the tricky part is if they're stirring us towards certain brands that might be more mm. expensive than another brand, just because they get a commission right. there. So that True. that's always kind of the, uh, the the big fear, you know, the, the fiduciary duty or not duty. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but you know that's kind of the way it is. Um, so all in, uh, my place was so I bought it for one hundred forty five thousand. Uh, the closing costs were. I guess relatively low compared to to yours or to the U.S., um, but it was probably about five percent total. Uh, I paid three three percent to my real estate agent, uh, a couple a uh, couple hundred, maybe a thousand bucks to my my lawyer, a bunch of other random fees, everything. The tax was pretty low. I think it was like one or two percent. Um, 
so in total for that it was let's say about uh let's see i've cost here you know 100 55,000 plus the renovation, I'm probably in for $185,000 in total. And that hopefully will be completely renovated uh, for, you know, a nice, pretty big place in the city center. I'm I'm very happy with that because that's literally impossible to find in, you know, anywhere else in, you know, in in a big city. Yeah. It'd be like small town USA of like 500 residents and like an old downtown that's dilapidated and you've just got, yeah. That's the comparable. Um, great, man. I, I think it's it's hard to, to see your place and envision it renovated and think that you can do anything but um, but but do well on it, given say the course of a decade. So we'll see. Um, my place, I'm in uh, seven hundred, including the ten percent transfer tax that you have to pay on transaction. It's about uh, in about seven hundred euros plus one hundred and fifty on the renovations, eight fifty. Plus, let's say fifty on the furniture and design fees. Uh, so that's nine hundred. Uh, another ten in legal fees for the that, and like I guess you could throw in the golden visa application. So I'm in like just over nine hundred euros, which at one point two, that's like it's about one point one uh, U.S. dollars at this point. One point uh, one million U.S. dollars, but million. you get a beautiful. Million beautiful you know three bed four you know four bath uh, apartment in the city center of barcelona you get hopefully you'll get your permanent re- your get you going to visa you know it's it's a lot of money but it's it is a uh, a beautiful place it's hard to argue i appreciate it and uh looking forward to to hosting you here and hopefully an iLab meetup at some point uh the only downside is, like I said, no AC. So it's it, what's 30 degrees Celsius. I was up at 2:30 in the morning last night texting the or messaging the the power company because I'm like, this is just ridiculous. It's been going on for two months, and now it's you know it's 30 degrees Celsius at night. Uh, I just sit here and sweat. Like, so I'm gonna yeah. go run a hotel room until it's it's updated. So wow, that sucks. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry to hear that. Fun. It, it, like like if you just bought like five fans and just blast it in your room would it would it help no it's just like it's just too hot at this point a couple of weeks ago it was manageable um but now it's just it's just too hot it's like i'm just rolling around in humidity all night so yeah i mean the yeah this summer has been unseasonally hot for everybody it's it's been crazy right. um so funny thing is uh moldering uh, actually, I, I didn't even mention this on the episode, but I actually bought a second apartment. <laughs> I bought one in Kharkiv, which is the second city. Um, it's kind of like the the Chiang, I would say it's the Chiang Mai of 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 Thailand. If if Kiev is Bangkok, um, Kharkiv is like Chiang Mai. It's a student city. Yeah. Still has a population of I think 1.5 million people, so still a pretty big place. It's actually a really nice place to live. There just isn't as much to to do here um, as like events and, and wise. Um, and international wise, but I really like it here. And I, I bought a place right in the city center, like literally a five minute walk, you know, away from, from the, the, the center center. Uh, it's a small unit. It's only 36 square meters, which in feet is, is like a, a small uh, apartment. Let's see square meters to feet. Let's see. It's yeah. It's less than 400 square feet. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's a small place, but what's amazing was I walked in. I spent ten minutes looking around. 
And I said, I'll buy it. It was thirty. It was uh, $37,000. I paid $500 over asking, which is not even, you know, almost worth mentioning. So $37,500, which is just about uh, $1,000 per square meter. And best of all, it was completely renovated and furnished. I moved in. I bought, you know, some cups and pots and pans and some bedding. And like literally the, the same day, I I, I I was sleeping there. You know, it came with two TVs, Yeah, came with the couch, came with the sofa, came with the fridge, came with the washing machine. It came literally with everything. And that's where you're at right now, right? Yeah. So uh, I've been basically staying here off and on for the last m- month or so. But what's really cool is I started renting it out on Airbnb because I knew I was going to go to Odessa for a week and Kiev for a week. And I thought, you know what? Why let it sit, sit empty and let me rent it out? And so far, I've had some insane returns. The ROI on this place, you know, it's summer right now. So it's, you know, it might not always be like this. Um, and winter, you know, we'll probably cut in half. But right now, I'm getting 20% returns. It's insane. Well, we're going to have to do a follow-up episode on that because I know you got some good stories already from renting it. And it'll be really interesting to see how how the returns stack up across the year. Yeah, De- definitely. And, and, you know, we could probably even do a, a full episode of the future about, um, you know, Airbnb kind of arbitrage, because I'm learning so much from this process. Um, I, I've already had a couple nightmares from it uh, and nightmare guests, but at the same time, I've also had some really, really good guests. And I think, you know, in the future, I'll just hire someone out and just ha- let them deal with it. And I'll still end up with probably a 15 plus percent return here in, in Kharkiv. And the one in Kiev, I've calculated, I can probably get about 9% even after fees. Wow, good, good. Well, you'll be, yeah, summer, it'll be really interesting to look at summer compared to winter. I have no idea about winter in, in the Ukraine, but I imagine it would be, it's not It's not ski country, put it that way. Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, winters here uh, are terrible for, for business, I mean, for, for rentals because of two things. I mean, one, you have no tourists, so um, the amount you can get is much lower. But second, the bills are much, much higher because heating uh, is done kind of you know through the central um, bill. So everybody shares it and, and they calculate based on square meters. So my place in Kharkiv will probably be really, really cheap. But the one in Kiev, because I have a pretty big unit, I'll probably end up spending $100 to $150 a month just on heating. So, you know, two, two three $300 a month on, on bills maybe, which in the U.S., might be normal for people, but you know, here if if the total rent is only a thousand dollars during winter because there's no one staying here, you know that's like a third of your 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 profit is gone. Speaking of winter, as I sit here sweating as we record this in my place, I'm really looking forward to winter. I'm ready for summer <laughs> to be over. I want to be cold and crisp in the morning, have that coffee, drive to ski country, play in the snow. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, actually, I uh, I bought my first winter coat because it was it's like seventy percent off. So I'm I'm gonna ride it out here. You know? Yeah, I'm, that's one thing here. We have to have a we have to have four seasons worth of clothes. Versus in Thailand, we just have like <laughs> three changes of clothes. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, but the nice thing is now having a place is we can have a place to keep it. You know, um, I don't I don't know if you're gonna end up renting yours out, but what I found is having kind of a a dedicated owner's closet. Uh, we can kind of just stuff everything that you don't want other people to use or or touch, mm-hmm. or you know, if you want to you know store some clothes, it's it's been really really beneficial. You know, like it's just you know, I remember, and, and actually, here's a a hosting trick: is 
instead of blocking out the dates where I want to live in this unit, instead I just doubled my price. <laughs> and I figured, you know, that way if somebody wanted to to, you know, rent it like let's say for that month, but it just overlaps by a day or something, it won't it won't um show as unavailable. It would just be a slightly higher price. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then second, if someone just wants, you know, happens to want to stay here for a night or two during this week that I'm here, I'm happy just to, you know, make this money and just move into somewhere else for, for a, a day or two, yeah. you know? So <laughs> <laughs> like most yeah. likely no, nobody will book it, but actually funny enough, last night when I arrived, uh, the guest decided to extend the stay and he paid, um, literally double the the normal asking price because he he just wanted to stay here for the weekend and that's a a fun thing to experiment with actually because you could just keep you could mark it up four or five times and just see 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 yeah what what people were willing to pay yeah like like seriously it's it's insane i mean like you can even list your place right now with like you know and and make it very clear there's no the ac is not working some people might not care it might rent it anyways and you still you might make you know a couple hundred bucks a night right Good stuff, man. Well, yeah. this has uh, been a fun project for both of us. I guess you're kind of in the middle of it. Mine's sort of at the end. Um, I'm planning on doing sort of like a video walkthrough that I'll piece together and post it um, in Patreon and Boss Lounge. Uh, anyone in Patreon that has question and answers about specific details, happy to take questions. Um, and um, Johnny, I'm sure you're going to be publishing some content around the renovation of, of yours as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and it's been fun. So in the Patreon, there's already kind of some, I don't want to say insider information, but kind of some more detailed information about um, specifically how much, you know, money we're spending on everything. Uh, we can list our contacts in there, our, you know, our lawyer, our real estate agent, our, our designer and everything. I don't really want all that uh, public because I don't want them to get inundated and busy because I want to use them for myself, <laughs> but I'm happy to put it in the Patreon. So if you guys are a show supporter, uh, feel free to ask there and we're happy to help. I'll give you a, a good referral. Yeah. And thanks for uh, all the Patreons and, and all the listeners for supporting the show. Patreons are how we support uh, the show going forward with Derek. So Derek's come on. He's basically our full-time producer. He's also on a lot of these shows, but we've been able to do a lot, lot more of Derek and it's all because of the the supporters in the Patreon. So if you got anything out of the show, please jump in and support as a Patreon. We'd appreciate it. Um, And other ways you guys can support the show is simply share it with a friend. If you know somebody that's looking at investing in real estate abroad, uh, this episode might be very helpful for them. And you guys can also leave us a five-star review. This helps us get the word out about the podcast uh, and also allows us to, to bring on better and better guests uh, that we try to do each and every single week. Yeah, we love it. So go to investlikeaboss.com, click on support the show or on Patreon, and we'll see you in the next episode. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Best Like a Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at investlikeaboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment portfolios and our private members forum. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week.